So, welcome back to the podcast, listeners, to the Leaders and Mentors podcast. Uh, today's guest in the podcast is really just, honestly, a, uh, a, a selfish guest on my part. I've uh, known this gentleman for many, many years. He's a family old friend, um, good friend of my father's. Um, and it's just somebody that I wanted to get on the program um, because of the story I know that he has uh, that he has inside him and that he's able to share and um, uh, without any other further ado I welcome Harry Bonner to the program Harry Bonner senior I should say welcome Harry to the podcast nice to sit down with you I appreciate it so Harry let's uh, for the for the Two or three people out there that don't know who you are, can you give me a, a one-minute summary of who Harry Bonner Sr. is? I am the executive director of two major programs here in Albion. One is the Kids at Hope Youth Development Program, and the other one is Substance Abuse Prevention Services. Mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, I direct both of those programs. Very nice. So let's... Uh, Harry, let's go back, having known you for many years, but not your early years, of course. Um, let's go back to the early years for you, you. For you, Where did you spend your childhood at? I came to Albion. I grew up in Tennessee. I grew up in Fayetteville, Tennessee, and I came to um, Albion when I was four, four years of age. Mm-hmm. So then uh, the rest of my childhood was spent in Albion. Okay. I went to um, elementary schools here, I went to middle school here, and I went to high school here in Albion. I okay. graduated in 1965 from Alvin High School. Okay. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what, what was uh, what did your parents do? Were your were your parents both involved in your life? Um, how many siblings did you have growing up? Uh, my parents, my mother and father, uh, yes, was involved in my life. Um, I was fortunate. I had two parents. Uh, uh, they worked at Corning Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, which when I graduated from high school, that's where I went to work at. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also, but I was primarily raised by my grandfather and grandmother and my aunt and uncle. Because uh, my parents were working swing shifts, they worked mm-hmm. a lot. So I was mm-hmm. at my grandparents a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, uh, I, I had two, sis- two sisters who both from was their heart are both um, deceased now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one was uh, my older sister, Alice Faye, she was, uh, two years older than me, and then my younger sister, uh, Annie Roof, uh, she was uh, she was two years, my sister Faye was two years older, my sister Annie Roof was two years younger. Okay. What sports were, was young Harry involved in growing up? Primarily, uh, it's funny, at, at the elementary schools at that time, it was big, it was big sports at elementary schools, so you could play uh, like flag football, mm-hmm. you could play uh, softball, uh, you can play basketball, and that was all through the city recreation program. Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, elementary school, I was involved in flag football. Um, then I was involved in um, baseball, uh, softball, mm-hmm. and then in the summer we was involved in baseball because softball uh, was a spring sport and baseball was a summer sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in middle school, um, I had ideas about playing football, but uh, one day I got toppled and I uh, had a real uh, serious uh, pain in my rib cage. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I think I'll stick to baseball and, uh, and basketball. Uh, this football thing ain't going to work. Knowing you and knowing your, your sons, I know education is a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, was 
how good of a student was young Harry? What, when did education really become uh, in the forefront of, of, of your life? When did you start to see that it was of, of importance? I always thought education was, in sport, uh, was important. It was just a matter of where was it going to fit in my life. Like mm -hmm. I said, being part of, uh, uh, of the Industrial Revolution and being part of uh, the blue collar world, that was the primarily, uh, how to say, pathway that I felt and everything. So going to college, there was nobody in my family that had went to college, number one. But at the same time, um, the factory life and blue collar work, you can make a good living. And so it was so funny later on, um, when I was getting ready to graduate from high school, then I fell in love with my wife and I'd be like, yo, uh, working at a factory seemed to be a great idea to me because you can make good money, you can make a good living, and so forth, and then be married. So, uh, but education never was something that was not important. Uh, it was just a matter of the different ways to get an education is not always out of a, uh, of a classroom or a college uh, sure. class and so on and so forth. So how did the, the move to Michigan come about for you and your family specifically? Did they find, I mean, from Tennessee to Albion is what I'm getting at. How did that evolve? Do you know the particulars of that? The, the, the 50s was the Industrial Revolution, mm -hmm. the Great Migration, where families from the South, African-American families from the South, was coming to the North for better jobs, more money. Uh, so that was, the, that was the situation of our family. Uh, we already had family members that had came before us. And so when my dad decided to come here in the 50s, it was seeking um, better pay and a better, better uh, quality of life for us. So that was part of the great migration that you hear a lot of you know, things about. So it was all part of that part. Okay. There were a lot of families that, that mm -hmm. came up from, from Tennessee and Tennessee, Louisiana, Alabama, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, the Spicer families uh, and all of that, you know, and then a lot of other families that came up during that period of time. So the Great Migration brought a lot of different family members from from the South uh, to the North. And if I'm not mistaken, even some of those families, let's say they came from Alabama, they were friends. Their families were friends in Alabama, right. and then they became they were transplanted back here in Michigan and Albion area, and they remained. Their families still remained friends, correct? I mean, or they they made that migration together, kind of in a sense. So there were families that knew each other very well in the South, but then came to to Albion to live. Am I correct in that? Oh yeah, but, you know, you were a support system, and uh, as I say, it takes yeah. a village, and, yeah. uh, and traditionally, a lot of families that came up, and, and it's not like Alvin is, uh, but that was the same way in Chicago and sure. Detroit, if they migrated to those areas, and a lot of those areas and everything will form support systems for each other, especially if they, if they, if they got a chance to know the city more and so forth, so they yeah. had their own support system, which stays pretty much the same today. So after high school, you graduated. Let's talk a little bit about high school. You played mm -hmm. played baseball in high school. Mm -hmm. What other sports did you play? Basketball. Okay. After high school graduation, what did uh, newly graduated Harry? What you you had, you wanted to get married? You wanted a, a career. Um, were you unsure about what you wanted to do at that time, or did you have at least some idea that of uh, that you wanted to go into helping people, or? Did that, how did that materialize is what I'm getting at there? The, the career was, was the factory that was a career. Mm -hmm. I mean, the blue collar work and going into a factory yep. was a respected uh, yep. uh, job. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, it paid good money um, and so forth and all of that. So when I first uh, started to work in, uh, in Corning Glass in 66, naturally, 
Uh, my father got me in, and my father was very well known. He was uh, uh, the best golfer in Albion, which means that he knew a lot of the people that was in leadership roles at the plant. So getting in was uh, was, was easy. Uh, I learned a thing about who you know makes a difference. Uh, and I give you an example of that when I got into the plant and I wanted to get married, and the idea of man, it's going to be. Uh, you know, people would tell me, well, you got to be, be here a year before you can get um, a vacation and, and this and that a year. Uh, I want to get married next week or something like that. So my dad said, well, you got to go up and talk to the department head about that. You got to talk to your foreman and department head. And uh, so I went up and everything and talked to my foreman about it. And because I was a real good worker and because of my daddy, said, you're Charlie uh, Bonner's son, right? I said, yes. He said, well, I, you're an excellent worker, and, um, and your dad is an excellent worker, so you usually have to be here a year before you can get a vacation, but I'm going to approve it. Okay, nice. so the foreman approved it, but then the department head, the section head, had to approve his approval. Mm -hmm. And so, like, usually nobody goes and talks to those individuals because those are the ones that come around in the white shirts that kind of like <laughs> nobody approaches those people unless you are uh, someone of importance. So my dad said, well, if you want to get married, that's something that you don't have to do. Mm -hmm. So I waited to the day that um, the big department head, Leo Reynolds, never forget his name, Leo Reynolds, uh, came uh, in and he came in. He was standing there uh, looking at the different uh, uh, reports and everything. So I goes up to him and I say, uh, Mr. Reynolds, uh, I'm Harry Bonner. He looks up. <laughs> Bonner, are you Charlie Bonner's son? I said, gee, everybody asked me to say a question about my dad's son. Uh, yes. He said, well, what can I do for you, son? Uh, I want to get married. And uh, they told me that I need to get your approval. My foreman uh, has already, Mr. Rock has already approved it. So you want to get married? He said, how long have you been here? I said, uh, 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 three months. Three months? The rule is <laughs> you have to be here a year. I say, well, I, I, I kind of got a good reason, and I, I want to get married, and, um, and so I need to have the time off to get married. He said, you want to get married? He said, well, I tell you what, since you are a good worker, your dad is a good worker, and we normally do not let people do this, but I'm going to approve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approve this, and you can go. So you had to get the approval from? management to get married at that time or how did time that off. time off okay that's yeah, right yeah, I mean, you can get married but you won't get no time <laughs> off to get married you know and so the idea was i can't afford to be off <laughs> and don't get paid and all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. you know so you get a week's pay for being on vacation all that kind of stuff but i wouldn't entitle it until after a year so in the mid-70s take me there you got the opportunity to um, take on the role as a the hall monitor initially at Albion Public Schools at the high school, correct? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that story and the day you were hired? If We were talking about it just before our interview here. Can you tell me a little about your uh, indoctrination to <laughs> your new role? Well, uh, you know, first of all, <laughs> and everything, in the, the 70s and the Industrial Revolution started to, to fade and, and, and plans started to close. And mm -hmm. My job at the Corning Glass after nine years uh, closed, I can remember uh, when we found out that the plant was going to close, thinking, on the world, I'm going to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. uh, so I needed to get, uh, in my mind, another job. And so when the plant closed in 75, uh, my grandfather and my uh, uncle 
uh, who was my mentors, mm -hmm. uh, basically said, you don't need to go, like, into a factory, you, you need to go, go to school. I kind of thought, like, the same thing I dumped in, in before, now it's back, it's back in front of me. Um, so then I said, okay. And so I went to interview for a job at Star Commonwealth, but it was a, a midnight, uh, a, um, evening job. And I wanted to go to school, so I felt it was going to be tough and everything for a night job. So then I went to interview at the, at the high school. And at that time, I don't think I knew about the end of the high school. There had been some racial fights and some other different things. So I went to, uh, um, uh, interview and I sat down in the office and then over the PA came a, a call for uh, Walt Nichols to come to the cafeteria because of a fight. Mm -hmm. And so Walt Nichols comes out of the office and he basically looks at me and says, are you here to interview for the hall monitor job? And I kind of, I ended with a hall monitor. Well, so I said, well, I'm Harry Bonner. I'm here. He said, well, follow me, young Bonner. So then I followed him down to the, to the cafeteria and I saw the kids fighting uh, in the cafeteria and I knew uh, a lot of the kids are the African-American children that were mm -hmm. fighting. So. Mm -hmm. I had them come over to where I was, and Mr. Nichols was impressed with that and said, you know, you're hired for this job, and I'm thinking, I haven't had the interview yet. And he basically said, this was your interview. And I said, okay. And there were some other people that were standing there, too, that wasn't doing what I was basically doing. And he said, not only are you hired, but now you're also those people's boss. And I said, oh, no. I remember I said that I come from a yeah. working family. Yeah. Those guys wasn't working. So I said, no, nah, those guys are not working. But I had some friends of mine who need a job too, so if you're willing to hire them, yeah. and then I think they'll do a good job for you. So I was able to hire some friends of mine through Walt's recommendation. And uh, so that was kind of like a, a lesson learned. It, it, a lot of the things that happened to me was lesson learned that I didn't anticipate, but they uh, demonstrated to me certain things and qualities. Sure. Uh, that would help you to be successful, and I was very happy with that. So, what was the hook? What really, the was this the spark that you really knew that you wanted to help um, people and help youth? Um, this first position that you held at the high school, and then from there, tell us about how you, how it, materialize that you moved on from you never really I know you well enough you never really moved on from the public schools you per se but you, you started to go into your own and develop your own businesses can you talk a little bit about that what what was the spark here and then from there from those first positions that you held can you talk about some of the the, the, the businesses that you started of helping people your career the the basic spark was uh, at the high school going through the fact when, when I got to the high school they had been fighting for several years and um, was learning about why are you so angry and, and what is it that it's going to take for uh, the anger to, to change and so from the students I was able to learn and everything the basic thing and we don't believe we got people that believe in us we don't believe we got people that we can trust um, and so just sitting there listening to them talk about their frustrations and their anger and how it played out for them. And remember, too, a lot of them I knew from the playground. I knew from the playground. So when we playing basketball in the park and you're, mm -hmm. you're not talking about those type of things, you're mm -hmm. talking about playing ball and who's who, so and so forth. Right. So it was interesting listening to their stories. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, uh, over the two years that I was there, I was able to listen to their stories, but also I was able to listen to teachers' stories and administrators' stories and all these different stories that has created this 
reputation of a school that was having these racial issues and racial fighting and so forth. So that was a real spark for me to say. And then it was also frustrating because a lot of the things that I felt would be helpful, I didn't have the last say for it. So it'd be like, I love working here, but at the same time, I'm not in charge here. So I need to figure out and everything how I can be in charge of my own youth development program activities and put the, put my ideas to use. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, I would I needed to leave. So then, the, when the job came up at Dalvin uh, Drop-In Center, assistant director's job at Dalvin Drop-In Center, yep. I applied for that position and got that position in the in the substance abuse field. That was in 1977, and I've been in the substance abuse field ever since then. Okay. How about your other programs, Kids at Hope and otherwise? Can you talk a little bit about all, your... All, all, your the, all the programs over the years was developed similar to at, at, the, at the high school because of change in policies, change in situations, and, 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 and the need to continue to meet the needs of, of, of the young people that, uh, that I was, um, was working with. That I learned early on and knew from the fact of what mentors and different people mm -hmm. in my life. I was fortunate to have some of my coaches in high school, like Mr. Mm -hmm. Zagarski, Mr. Anderson, mm -hmm. and all those guys were mentors to, to us. And also, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to meet and everything, uh, different people and everything, like Morley Frazier at the college and everything. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, and, and Morley, and people like Mrs. Jarenko, and those people uh, were mentors to us. So I understood about the idea of mentoring I just hadn't had the formal um, education to understand how to put it together, yep. but I knew the philosophy. Mr. Anderson and everything, um, the former AD at the, at the high school, also was a great mentor to us. So I had all these great men around us in addition to my grandfather. Uh, Andy Anderson? <coughs> yes. Yep. Uh, Andy, Andy Anderson, who mm -hmm. a lot of the things were built in response to what Mr. Anderson's vision of what needed to be done at the school. Mm -hmm. So not only did I have these mentors around me, but also these men were in charge of developing programs, like Mrs. Zagoshka that had been at T-Ball, and all those other different programs, and rookie baseball and all of that. So I was also privileged to see them guys develop these different things. I said, okay. Uh, in fact, Mrs. Zagoshka sent me a tape mm -hmm. um, that said in the um, area of all the different young people in my program outside of my sons, you best understood what I was trying to create and invent. That's one of the greatest comments I ever had. Um, so um, I was a product of everything I think of the mentors and the people around me and the things they've created. And, and every step of the way is I looked at the, the needs of young people that needed to create this program. And then to the point in everything where I created the Kwanzaa program, I created mm -hmm. everything, the youth development programs, I created sports programs and different designs for different uh, sports activities. Sure. Uh, sports was another major activity for the young people, but at the same time, I also knew they need to get education. They need to learn how to not be bullies. Mm -hmm. And so he stepped away. I created a lot of different programs out of the need of young people and also understanding that uh, if you want young people to be engaged, they need to have fun. Yep. Um, they need to have things that they could, uh, I guess, they relate to caring adults around them. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was also necessary for me to establish relationships with other caring adults and everything, like uh, Ken Mohead, mm -hmm. Les Miller, Rod Ferguson, mm -hmm. and a lot of other people like that. And also Tim Rumler, you should know him, <laughs> and everything. And people like John Rumler mm -hmm. and people like mm -hmm. John Spangler. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are all different people of different races and, 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 and um, different professionals. 
uh, capacity, business owners, but they all had one thing in common. They love kids and they love the Albion. Let's talk about, we have, we could have a three-hour conversation on the importance of this, Harry, but let's, let's talk about relationships um, with youth and between mentors and youth and what works, what doesn't. Um, without getting too many specifics here, which could lead to a three-hour conversation, as you know, um, between you and I. What is your philosophy on the type of relationship that you have seen that worked, whether between a, co a successful coach mm -hmm. and an athlete or a educator and a student, um, a rec director and a participant, a or any programs that you have cultivated over the years, what are what are the relationships that you see are the most beneficial and that work to be the most productive on both ends? Time, time and sacrifice. Um, I took a lot of time from my family, from my two sons, in order to spend time with with, with, the, with other people's children. And the philosophy about it takes a village to raise a child. I always strongly believe in. But if you are going to, to work with young people, particularly time, there's no curriculum, there's no models that's going to replace time. Mm -hmm. and, and at that time, what gives them the essence of, oh, uh, Mr. Bonner came to my um, banquet, or Mr. Bonner was here uh, when somebody else was not here, or even when my parents wasn't here, Mr. Bonner, Mr. Bonner was here. And so as you build those period of time, which led me to develop the Godfather program. And so they developed the Godfather program, which is a mentoring program. So I have a number of different godchildren. Mm -hmm. So we have two sons, but I have, gosh, I don't know, my wife and I have so many different godchildren um, that over the years, in fact, this book that I'm, I'm currently working on, it's a book that deals one man, one man's journey in mentoring young people. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was creation of the Godparent program. And now a lot of those godparents are now parents of their own. Okay, a Terry Langston, a Paulie Langston, a Mike Culliver. Um, it's just amazing a lot of times in this Facebook world age, and you see a lot of these individuals that come on Facebook and now they're doing these wonderful things. You think back to the time, man, there was a time when I didn't know that this young person was going to be able to really survive the things they were going through. So that's, that's what I would say, the number one really quality is the willingness to spend time and sacrifice, because there'd be a lot of times where you want to be somewhere else, really, mm -hmm. uh, but you know that you got this activity, this event mm -hmm. going on, and you're mm -hmm. going to be there or you're not. Mm -hmm. okay. And believe you me, the young people know when you're there, when you're not there. I think what correlates goes hand in hand with, with time is, is patience. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to have that patience, which if you don't have the time, um, Patience is not going to be there, and it's not going to be cultivated. So, um, no, it's not. And then another part of that you have, I was also fortunate to have great friends around me, Mike, Carl Wilson, Jim Scott, Melvin England, Anthony Cloy, David Smith, Ernest Johnson. So when I was accepted to be an esteemed alumni, Jimmy mm -hmm. Short, they all got mm -hmm. to the celebration. And they say, wow, you know, that your friends care enough about you that they they actually going to be here. You got all these years. That's what relationship and time is. Let's talk a little bit about youth today, Harry. Um, it's the eternal question of kids change or, or have their surroundings in the hustle bustle of 
their parents' lives, whether it be a, a dual parent household or a single parent household, or if they're raised by the grandmother or grandfather, whoever it happens to be, the rush, rush, rush of mm -hmm. today's world with technology and cell phones. Do you think kids are still just kids, or do you think they really have um, suffered, if you lack of a better word, um, because of the fast pace of our world today? Or do you feel it's just kids are still kids and they still have those core principles that we need to um, bring out? And uh, and uh, I use the word cultivate, but do you think those are do you think those are still truths in today's youth? I think for a certain degree, a lot of times they say that everything time has changed and kids are worse worse today because they're not they don't have two parent homes they don't have this and don't have that. Mm -hmm. um, I think for this, for the essence of caring. And, and having someone care about you, I don't think that ever changes. Uh, yes, they got more technology, they have more this and more that, but I don't think we are as willing as adults to give up time as we was before. Okay, okay you got a great example of that where T-ball is not, back in the day when Mrs. Gotten prevented T-ball, and you have parents and everything who came out and was willing to, uh, you know, spend time with their children, watching them play T-ball, and T-ball is not something that young people express their interest in now. Mm -hmm. When you ask the words of young people, are they playing their video games, are they playing whatever, but also the adults are not there. Yeah. Okay, kind of like that, for I'll give you another good example, home, home of baseball. Mm -hmm. Look at home of baseball. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, if you look at home of baseball and the players, I guarantee you, you'll find parents and grandparents who are right there. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, so it's a tradition is not just because they're winning, it's the love and the tradition of spending that time, which is a tradition. And so you look at these small communities that are able to have these sports programs. You look at some of the large communities. One of the things that happened to Algon, we lost our football program. Mm -hmm. We lost a lot of our different programs. Why did we lose those? There wasn't adults that were there. The kids hadn't changed. Okay, so right. then those kids went off to other schools and joined other different programs yep. and so on and so forth. Yep. And, uh, I remember the Wimbledon kids, for example, yeah, went right. off in Jordan Marshall and became all-state football players. Yeah. Okay, so the yeah. idea is, so what happened? Yeah. And so the idea to me, I don't think so much that young people that's changed, I think adults and how they relate to young people. Sure. And it, whether it's because you're busy or whatever, but we find reasons. You try to tell me that the home of parents are not busy? Yeah. You try to tell me that they don't have jobs? Okay, so I look at that as a great example. I have some of the homeless students that also participate in my uh, summer basketball program. Sure. And I was just talking with the mother the other day. She said, oh, our son in there, one of my, my sons who is a high school senior, and they won the, the, the baseball championship. This mother's very busy, but she's right there. Yeah. Okay. So, no, I, I think it's a combination of some other things, but the opportunities, sure. the opportunities uh, are there. Here, anybody who knows you, you also knows you're one of the biggest ambassadors for our town, for the city of Albion, <laughs> without a doubt. Can you look, talk a little bit about the changes that you're seeing taking place in in the town, mainly the downtown, the facade, the the buildings, the the um, from the restaurants to the bakeries to um, the cleaning up, if you will, uh, sure. uh, the the brick streets, just everything that's going on um, to try to better the town. Um, what's your what's your um, take on on that? Do you do you appreciate that? Does it does it look good to you? I love the um, 
the leadership and the effort that, that someone like Bill Dobbins mm -hmm. is, is providing and go back to their word of leadership mm -hmm. and the efforts. How can anybody not say from what Alvin uh, was looking like to what it currently is beginning to look like cannot yeah. be excited and crazy. You love to see the Bone Theater open that oh, yeah. used to be closed. Yep. You love to see uh, a Marriott Hotel that's down there. You love to see the bakery and other yep. different things that's down there. So for me, who has spent my life working not only on youth development, but also community development and the essence of that, to know that you got people like Bill and his, you know, and the fact of his family, you know, like Bill and his wife, you know, mm -hmm. Carolyn, and, they, and, they, and their children are just as much as involved in the building of it as anything. Sure. How can you not love that? Agree. That remind me of when Mrs. Zagarski was doing baseball and his sons David and Mike and Willie and all those guys were involved <laughs> in all of that. So it's something that I'm used to uh, as far as having family involvement, which ends up being all of us become part of a bigger family. Right. Go back to your dad again when we were doing the Mickey Mellon baseball and we were all going uh, together to different games, rain, cold weather, whatever. Uh, love it to yep. see that and the passion behind that. And if today, if your dad, if your dad and mother was alive, they'd yeah. be right in yeah. that whole mix yeah. and everything. Downtown development, all that kind of stuff like that. It was never a yes, time sir. when they were not part of that. So see, that's the world that I live in. You know, and I don't apologize. Yeah. So when people talk about downtown this or every college this, it'd be like, you know what? I ain't got no uh, patience. I mean, I'm in a patience. I don't have no patience for that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. But I come from a different world. Yeah as far as what I have seen and what this world used to be about. So how can you, you, you every time you go downtown and you see the growth of it, how can you not be happy with that's that? Right. You know that's what I mean? Right. So that's my feelings, but I think it's great. I want to hopefully we can continue to grow it and meet the challenges that come along with it. There are challenges to it, especially financial challenges. But at the same time, the greater the challenge, the greater the opportunity. Almost along the same lines, let's talk a little bit about the renewed relationship that the college, Albany College, has with the town. Yes. And, and uh, really, really um, pushed through by, with uh, President Ditzler. Yes. Maury Ditzler. Um, he has really taken that and run with it. I mean, right. he's done a really nice job with this, right. with, this with his efforts and, and uh, the people that he's delegated. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, efforts too. Can you talk a little bit about that and what uh, the uh, the relationship from what you know of it as a, the college is having with the town, with the um, the students um, here in town, the young people, um, and and uh, the good things that are coming out of that, if you wouldn't mind. Um, Dr. Dishner had made it very clear that his idea when he came here was to build a, a, a stronger relationship between the college and the community. Mm -hmm. So you could only gauge in leadership, you only can gauge what a person does, mm -hmm. not just what they say. Agreed. A lot of people say a lot of different stuff. Agreed. Uh, you look back to, uh, to what has happened since Dr. Dishner has been here, mm -hmm. including the downtown growth and all these other different things. It was just basically discussions way back when. Yep. And so you see that stuff happening and you understand that the leadership uh, that he has provided to that and has also led to college. And you also look at people like, uh, um, I said and everything, like a lot of the professors like Dr. Keyes and, and Dr. West Dick and just so many of those guys who have also sent their children to Alvin School. They've been here all that time too. So when people talk about the college and they don't reference it, the college is how to say if someone is trying to take over the town and to be like, okay, so... 
I don't think so much they try to take over the town, they try to say to you that everything that they want to be part of the growth of the town just sure. like you do. Absolutely. So how is that taking over and everything? And they offer a lot of different, um, to me, opportunities, including employment, if not, they're not the largest, largest employer in Albion, and then uh, they close to it. I know they're probably the largest employer now, but they employ a lot of people that Absolutely. work there. Exactly. So between them and then a lot of the students that go there are also participants in my program. So for the growth and everything of all of that, to me that's a win-win situation. So for me, it's a perfect scenario, but, but you need to have it. Not only, um, Maury, there are uh, the members of the, of the Board of Trustees, like Mayola Duffman and a lot of the different people that believe in the Because Maury can only do what the Board allows them to do. Right. Okay. Exactly. Now I heard criticism about the former uh, uh, President uh, Donald Randall. Donald, was giving strict instructions about what they didn't want to see her do. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that she didn't care about the town. In fact, the Washington Garden Building, which was a high school of ours, right. it wasn't for, if it wasn't for her, they would not own that building. Right. Okay. Sure. It was under her leadership yep. that uh, that building was purchased yep. and it's still in our existence. Yep. So I think it's great. And, and, and to me, again, for every uh, challenge, there's opportunities. And so there's going to be the people that are naysayers, but I would say they are a smaller, group of people for whatever reason are in their own little world yeah. and I'm not yeah. saying to discount what sure. they believe but anybody that don't believe that the college is great for our community uh, then I'm not sure what I can tell them. Well let's let's that's a great segue into this next topic then and that mm -hmm. and that is uh, uh, that's a you know opportunity and continued opportunity um, and that's with the the closing of our public schools a couple right. of years ago right. um, Albany Public Schools as, right. and as an alum yourself um, let's talk a little bit about the the continued assimilation of our youth uh, into mm -hmm. Marshall Public Schools program and, and mm -hmm. if you want to call it the coalition between the two programs of the two districts what what are some of the continued efforts that that are going on right now to make sure that's a smooth process? What's because you're right in the mix. Right. I mean, you're working there in this in the school district, and right. not, not everybody knows. Right. And can you talk a little bit about the role that you hold there? Um, what you see as some of the the continued efforts, and uh, what you believe needs to happen in let's say in the next five to eight years. Well, first of all, uh, I believe since I do have a leadership leadership role in the community, leadership role with youth development, leadership role in a number of different things, that uh, I have, I do have great insight into uh, the Marshall School Annization situation. Uh, Dr. Kerry Nicholson and I chaired the committee for annization, so we uh, helped design the campaign and, and change. And somebody says, why would you? Uh, leave something that closes your, uh, you know, your former mm -hmm. school, your alma mater, mm -hmm. because it's the kids that come first. You're talking about my period of time. That's not the world that our kids today are living in. We have lost our football program. We have lost a number of different things that made Albion schools be Albion schools. That's not, not what we had. Right. Okay. And then mentioned they were six million dollars in debt and all of that. So uh, the insight that I see, we, we made a decision on kids first. That was the model for the old days. Kids first. What, what's going to be the best for students? That was best for this individual, that individual. What's going to be best for students? As far as today, uh, I am a firm believer and, and work very closely uh, 
Dr. Randy Davis, who is a, to me, a visionary, exceptional leader for the district. Alvin's, uh, to me, demise came when we lost those type of people, okay. And then, um, so that's one great thing. And then I'm a great believer, a lot of the people on the board, uh, all the way from Larry Williams to uh, Richard Lindsay to Dr. Carrie Nicholson. Carrie left our, how to say, chairmanship for editization and then continued on to the board. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. Carrie children mm -hmm. uh, and her her and her husband Mike children go to uh, to Marshall School District. They didn't go somewhere else. Sure. They stayed in, in the system. They're willing to work towards all of that. Yep. So when I see people that do most of the talking, they are not involved in anything. Okay, they have no plan for anything that I have seen. So yeah. whether it's a charter school or whatever. Yeah. So if you want, if you have an educational plan, put it on this table. I tell people all the time. I had cheered. Every millage election from 1980 with Mike B. up until now, every one. Mm -hmm. So if you got a plan about educational achievement or something that's good for our young people, put it on this table, okay? Otherwise, it becomes, that just talk stuff that's talk, okay? Action we talk about. If you got a plan about how we can better partner with economic development or Albion College, put it on the table. If your plan is that people are, how to say, trying to, um, to me and everything, harvest in some kind of way, I don't see where that is. And you've got something that you want to say that you can say out there like that? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's your opinion. Everybody's entitled to it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have to do what's best for our young people and what's best for our communities. So Marshall is, is trying, I think. But at the same time, we're also blessed to have excellent uh, school of choice, other school districts, all the way from Homer to uh, Concord to uh, to uh, County Western and, uh, and all these other school districts around us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it's not that we don't have educational choices. Sure. Okay. And the question being, how do we help to make these choices more effective for communities that's going to prepare? We were talking earlier about the idea. College is not necessary for everybody. You can make a good living by going to vocational schools. Which brings me to my other point. When the Albion schools were in existence, we were sending students to the vocational center in Battle Creek. Yeah. We were sending students to the Math and Science Center in Battle Creek. The way I look at Marshall <coughs> School District is just another one of those institutions. Agreed. Okay, and they are 15 miles yeah. to the west of us. So. That's the kind of overall picture, and we still, and I still maintain a lot of not only working at the school, but um, I still have a lot of committees that uh, that formulate to maintain support uh, for our school children and our school districts, and also for our community partners and our community neighbors. Harry, what are some essentials that we either did have here at one time and lost or we've never had, what are some essentials that we, programs or facilities or otherwise that you would like to see brought back to Albion or instilled in, in the Albion area? What are some things that we need, whether it be for kids or for the community or otherwise, are there anything that really dominates your thinking as to, hey, that would be really nice if we had that for kids or if we had this for the community? Is there anything that stands out? You. Leadership always stands out to me. I come from a product of leadership all the way from uh, 
again and everything from Morley to all the different people that's been major parts of our life. Leadership is essential from, we talked earlier about the Mike Guitars, the Judy Daubers, uh, but at the same time caring teachers and caring adults and caring homes, those are all things that we need, but there's uh, a lot of work to have all of that. You can't have any of it without the work part of it, right. without the effort part of it, right. working together part of that. Uh, we got great leadership and our county commissioner and everything, and uh, Gary Tompkins. Mm -hmm. We got great leadership in our Homer partner in our care. Uh, we got great leadership in our college president. You see what I mean? Now, the one thing that I think we got, I think, you know, getting great leadership and everything from some people at the city uh, council level, but not in not as a team. Okay, you spend more time fighting each other than you're doing looking at the issues of our roles and other different things like that. I know that the mayor of, uh, of uh, Albion, who attended the meeting with us today, has been uh, has been there to try to do and be part of what he can. Is, is he uh, perfect or whatever? None of us are. Mm -hmm. So the word leadership, uh, the ability to work together, to be able to disagree, to agree, um, those kind of efforts uh, I think are very important. And uh, I think the whole idea of continued partnershiping with the college Continue partnership uh, with the things going on downtown. Uh, continue partnership with, with the economic development plans that are being out of out, put out there. So you can't get up behind the word leadership when you lack leadership. Then you lack direction. Sure. Okay. And I think what happened to the Albion district, we lacked leadership mm -hmm. and we lost direction. Yep. And if you lose direction, that's when you lose funding and yep. you start losing kids out of your school district. And uh, so if we're going to do anything, is to understand that you either work together or you turn around and cause different, uh, to me, destruction. We got the models that we were, you know, you got a whole school system that's um, closed. Yeah. You got Johnson Charskis in the Harvey industry. You have a lot of different models that have closed. Yeah. And I guarantee if you go back and look at each and every one of them, they have poor leadership at the helm or that. Leaders make things happen. Leaders create things that happen. Uh, and I believe in everything when you got great leadership, you have success community. We lost a wonderful city mansion and Dr. Cheryl Mitchell mm -hmm. um, and so forth. And, mm -hmm. and, and so when you lose that, then you got to figure out what I said earlier. When you lose great leaders, you got to replace them with great leaders. You actually just hit on my next question, that, and that, so that was a, definitely a great segue. Is, you know, and I think you nailed it, is getting people to work for a common goal. That's right. And, and empowering them to do so. And delegating responsibilities when, when needed be. And I, I, I don't think there is any doubt that um, that's being brought back, but definitely is, is needed. So Very much so. Having known you for the majority of my life, uh, I, I know family is big for you. Yes. I know it's very, you know, it's, yes. it's you, you know the value of family. Um, you've been married to Jerlene for how many years now? Approximately? Is, we, we got married in 66. So okay. it's like, what, 50, 52? Yes, 50, 53 in 2019, so it'll be yep. 53 this yep. year. Yeah, so we'll set August 19th. I know you have two sons of your own. Yes, um, two very I'm proud Very close sons. with them. I grew up with yep. them. But you have what you have called many, many godchildren as well. Yes, very Can much so. Can you tell me a little bit about that and why you came up with that term and, and what does that mean to you? 
One of the things when I was doing the program in youth development that I knew that a lot of the young people liked, they didn't have father figures, number one, and didn't have someone that can help them negotiate the different challenges that they would face. Mm -hmm. And so I created the Godfather's uh, Mentoring Program to, uh, to fill that void. And the Godfather's Mentoring Program, basically uh, Paula Langston, Terry Langston, Cedric Harris, uh, a lot of those guys, I can go on and on and name a zillion of them, but they mm -hmm. all was part of, and that's part of the book that we writing about mentoring and, and the godparents, uh, the godparent role that we felt. Now they are uh, young adults with families of their own and all of that, so many years ago when we created that, it's like uh, our wife and I, we said that we want to get married at 18 because we still want to be able to uh, have uh, great uh, godchildren, we have uh, godchildren, but also we want to be able to have great uh, grandchildren. Very nice. And our deal and everything will be like, okay, so how are we going to do that? So we get married at 18. So now we got three great grandchildren. And so that dream is, is not a dream back then, that's a reality and a goal yeah. we now have currently. Yep. And for us, if we live, because we live our whole life around our children, just like your, your parents did. Mm -hmm. So for us and everything, we still got these young great-grandchildren <laughs> and we're still able to travel and transit around. So instead of going to Las Vegas, we go to visit the great-grandchildren and so forth. So, starting to wrap this up, what does an average day look like for, for Harry Bonner? You're by all means, nobody, no, I don't think anybody would ever use the word retired with you. You're not retired. Can I get a job? I don't, I don't think you'll ever be retired. No, because when people ask me about that, so <laughs> when are you going to retire? I say, when I get a job. They but say, you're doing oh. what you love. Exactly. So when you're doing something that you love, how does that You're passionate work? about. Okay, well, I would be working at some church or whatever, so like that. I'm doing what I love, and the great thing about it is I have the final choice still to do what I love. I get up when I get up. I go where I, I whatever to. And so that's another thing too. I say, young people, get you a career that allows you to not to work a day in your life, but allow you to do what you love. You're blessed, for no, sure. Exactly. Don't go to somewhere to say, I hate going to work or I hate whatever. For example, you did an interview uh, with uh, Coach Klein the other day. Yep. When Carl Wilson was inducted into the Olivet Football Hall of Fame, yep. and at the same time that Coach Klein was, and he was up there, you know, Coach Klein spent his whole acceptance speech talking about Carl and me, and when he was a high school coach at Marshall High School. I didn't know that. Exactly. I did not know that. That's awesome. They don't, you know, they don't even, people don't even know. So when people talk about But Marshall, that's why we're doing this, Harry. That, so those kinds of stories, are, you know, things we don't know is, is all about why I do this. You know, that's, that's great. A great idea. That is great, because when people talk about Marshall, mm -hmm. do they know how long my history go back with Marshall? And everything else, we could know, have a whole podcast on that, probably. I mean, from the standpoint of me, that's why I think it's great, Tim, that you're doing this part, because I think we talked about earlier about a lot of the stories that people don't know and yep. a lot of uh, things that people yep. think about and say, they don't know the stories. and They don't know how people, not only Coach Klein, but his daughter. Sure. Who loves Albion, loves Marshall, loves kids and you all bet. of that. So you bet. Those are the kind of stories I think are relevant. But just to wrap up on my part, again, uh, I, I, uh, I'm not considering that we're retiring because, like I said again, i got to get a job first. <laughs> Uh, you know what, uh, um, Julian and I are doing what we love to do, 
uh, working with people and kids and still able to shape communities and, uh, and shape kids. And uh, I realize and respect the vital role that I play in Albion, mm -hmm. but I play it with a team of great people, a team of great people yep. and everything. Like our Hazel Elias, yeah. people <laughs> like that. Um, that we all work at a Hazel, Mayola, Bob, Vivian, Eddie, yeah. I go on and on, and a lot yeah. of those people are educators. Yep. A lot of those people came out of the schools, they came out of the South, and they retired. <laughs> but, but they didn't retire, but they still look on behalf of communities. What's an average day look like for you, Harry? What are you, what are you involved in uh, daily? If you could just kind of give me a quick snapshot of your day. What does your day look like from the time you get up in the morning to the time, which I know is probably a very long day for you, but what, what, are, you, uh, what are you active in? Um, I'm active in the community building, like, like this morning, we had a meeting and everything in Marshall at 9 o'clock on, on, on Calhoun County Health Needs. We get back here and uh, we work on um, you know, meeting with different people, uh, youth and parents, and then it leads us up to my meeting with you at 4. Mm -hmm. I'm with you from mm -hmm. 4 until we finish this, mm -hmm. then I go home and everything, and I usually sit down and talk with jo uh, Jolene about over dinner, and then I answer emails, telephone calls, and other different stuff. There is no such thing as a, a short day, and only time that changes is when we travel and we away visiting the kids and the grandkids. So I like, again, that uh, the opportunity to be able to fill your day with meaningful activities for community building, for youth development, uh, for mentoring, and, uh, and all those, those kind of things. That's my average day. Well, as we're starting to wrap this up, Harry, one thing I always like to do, and again, I think it's more of a self selfish thing on my part, I always like to, uh, and I can, boy, the list could go on and on here, but I always like to throw names at uh, my guests and, and see what their first impression are of these, of these folks. So whether it be one word or whether it be a phrase or whether it be a compliment, um, let's go at it here. You ready? Yep. Tillman Cornelius. Um, legend. Rod Ferguson. Another legend that followed Tillman. Mike Vitar Sr. An educational visionary leader that, that really led the Albany District to some of the best years we, we had. Sherry Grace. My partner in youth development, the one that led me into my relationship with Michigan State University, which ended up you know, making me a fellow at the university because Sherry was my partner in youth development over the years. Morley Frazier. My mentor, a father figure to, to me that really exposed me to what college life and campus was about, but also really exposed me to what leadership was all about. Dr. Randy Davis. Visionary educational leader who cares deeply about the school system and, and, and all students, regardless of their race, their culture, their class. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what I think that is a, a legendary uh, school superintendent. Terry Langston. My godson, who uh, basically did everything, uh, grew up as probably his closest uh, uh, model to me as far as uh, the work that I'm doing. Uh, Terry's out in California now, uh, working on healthcare, doing whatever. So uh, you love him like a son. I feel a little guilty doing this, but John Rumler. Gosh, uh, John, John, uh, that's not something to feel guilty. That's a pride thing. 
John was uh, a motivator for me as far as the, the kind of conversation we had about Albion, about young people, and, and what was best, a tireless worker. <laughs> you talk about what my day looked like. <laughs> John's day, I don't think never ended. I really don't. And his love for Albion never ended. Uh, I think it was an inspiration for me. It was easy to be inspired by people and the things that I was doing, just working with John and on the things that he was doing, so it was very, and also, uh, you talk about our marriage, your mother and John's marriage was very special you also. Bet. 48 years, yeah. Very special also. Elgin and Harry Jr. Oh. <laughs> I love them for the sacrifices that they made on behalf of the work that I was doing. A lot of the God children that, uh, that we developed, they accepted them, they did not. Uh, wasn't jealous or uh, whatever or really said, you know, why come daddy is not home. Mm -hmm. They understood, uh, I think, the work and everything that I was trying to do. Uh, loving the death for, uh, I tell people all the time that we had sons that, uh, that basically are still the center of our university, uh, particularly uh, the oldest one they calls home all the time. Uh, Harry Jr. is, uh, is busy uh, doing with uh, the two jobs. But yep. You know, John, I, I mean, you know, Tim, it's, it's been all good because I think your relationship with them will speak of the kind of young people that they are. Great young men. Great men, young men growing up, yep. great adult men now. Last one, Jerlene Bonner. My heart and soul that um, a lot of the things I think that you, you do uh, as a husband, uh, and so and so forth. I know when I met her, I fell in love with her, and uh, in, in the love, of, what did I tell you, love with her? My whole idea was, I gotta get married. <laughs> I gotta tell you about that. Why you get married so young? Yeah. You find the best. Why would you? Why would you wait on the rest? Oh, so true. Harry, it's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate your time. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, it's been great getting caught up. Um, it's these kinds of interviews. Uh, the reason I do this and uh, the stories that people have and, and need to be heard and need to be shared. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it. It's, uh, um, I, I hope the, uh, I hope that you find that your, your time is, uh, or I hope you know that your time is appreciated all the years that you've sacrificed to, to the youth of Albion. So thank you for your efforts and thank you for your time. It was great. It was great being able to share some things I hadn't talked about in a while. <laughs> so that was great. Thanks, Harry. Appreciate it. Everybody don't have your memories. You know? well. Everybody don't have the, the questions to ask me that you would know about. <laughs> That's interesting. Who's going to talk about my...